Morning, everybody. Awesome. Well, happy Father's Day to all you fathers out there. Happy Father's Day to all you mothers out there. Couldn't have fathers without mothers. So, it's a circle of life, all that stuff. So. Jesus, we just thank you for your word to us this morning. We praise you, glorify you for this uh, opportunity to gather in your name and, and do as only you can do uh, in your people. Lord, we just pray that you would put your word inside of us, God, that you would plant it, that you would water it and cause it to grow in us, God, as only you can. Uh, we just uh, pray that uh, you would give us ears to hear what you have to say this morning and uh, that you would uh, give us hearts to receive, God, that we would uh, apply these things in our life and, and do the very things that you would have us do. And we pray it in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hmm. Let's see. A couple different places I was reading. So I could flip a coin. Uh, uh, go with me to Colossians 1. I'm just going to touch on something briefly here. Um, and we've talked about this before. Yeah, it's funny how Ron says that, uh, he's like, well, I can't preach on that again. I already preached on that. Everybody knows that. And it uh, doesn't really work that way. So, and I don't know, you know, I'm one of those people that if I like a movie, I could watch it again and again and again, you know, or, you know, who gets tired of pizza, you know, I mean, it's like, like, no, man, I'd love to hear that again, or your favorite song comes on, nah, click. So, I want to talk a little bit about, um, about, uh, the difference between just being a child of God and being a son of God. Uh, but I want to start here in Colossians 1. Uh, I'm going to start in 15. Well, of course, that's not the beginning of the sentence. In Paul's writings, you have to go quite a ways back before you find a period. Although just about every verse here has a semicolon on, on the end of it. Looks like one of my emails. So. I like semicolons. My uh my business coach said that I'm too polished and salesy. That that I need to be a little I need to be a little more just plain folks with people. I'm like, okay. Um, uh how about thirteen? That, that looks good. <coughs> who has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood. In whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God and the firstborn of every creature. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and in earth, visible and invisible, 
whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. Sorry. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. And He is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have preeminence. So there's a lot of really great stuff there. And and, uh, I'm going to start with the word image. It's a great word. This is the Greek word uh, is where we get uh, the word icon. And so the great thing about what this word means is that it's it's an image like we would think of an image, but that image also contains within it the, the nature of or a part of what it's an image of. So uh, to me, I think a really great example of that would be your children. Like my kids, poor things, look just like me. So it's like they, they, they're like an image of me, but they also have, you know, a part of me in them. They have, they have partake of my nature. So they have no hope of growing up normal, adjusted people. They will, they will look like me and be just as weird as me. No, no actually, it's funny. I, I went to see my family yesterday and uh, was thinking of how much like my dad I have become over the years because my dad is very eccentric and uh, says really weird stuff. And if you know me very well at all and you've had a conversation with me, then you know that I say weird things too. But anyway, so... Yeah, it's. I mean, you know, what I tell people is life is not fun. You have to bring it with you. So, so you might as well make life fun. Make your own fun. So, so it says that Christ is the image of the invisible God. So throughout the Old Testament, we have this this misperception of who God is because you can. It's easy to read the Ten Commandments and and read through the 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 first five books and 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 focus down on the things that God did to to bring correction to the people of Israel and to 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 see how he set out rules like who likes rules and um and think that that God's not a, a loving God but if you really pay attention to the things that you read in the Old Testament of course you can see that he is so it says here that Christ is that, that icon then of of the invisible God, this image of the invisible God that, that, that of course he is God, but if you could if you could see him and talk to him on, on a level that your your brain could take in, like this is what he would be like. If God was a person, something that you could relate to, this is what he would be like. And of course it says that he was the firstborn of every creature. Uh, and this word firstborn, of course, means first numerically, but it also means uh, first um, as in preeminence. So the, not, not only the oldest, but the, the, the greatest. Um, it says that he's the firstborn of every creature. And if you, uh, and you go down to, uh, to verse 18, that's what he says. He's the head of the body, the church, the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. So so he goes back to this word firstborn again. 
and so the firstborn from the dead. So then when we when we have Christ living inside of us, then we, we join this this family of of those that have been born again, as we would say. So but it would he, of course he's the firstborn from the dead, the greatest and the first. Uh, so uh, go with me over to um, let's see. Toss a coin again here. Uh, yeah, go with me to First John three. So, of course. Um, you know, that, that verse doesn't really seem to be saying much about sonship other than this sense of the, the firstborn and the and the, uh, the fact that he's the 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 icon, the, the the image of the invisible good. But of course that's the nature that comes to live inside of us. So here in first John three, he says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. And therefore the world knows us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we should be like him, for we shall see him as he is. You know, and sons is a great word here, and, and you can, you're certainly doing no violence to the Greek by, using, by translating this as sons. But uh, when you, as you kind of dig into these words, what they mean, it's more of a general word for children. And... So I think in light of that, it makes more sense when you read verse two. It's like because if you if you say beloved, now are we the children of God? That does not yet appear what we shall be, because we start out as you know, coming into this this family, and it, and you have that seed in you, and you have all of that potential of what you're going to be is there from the very beginning. It's just like a it's like a little acorn has all the potential and everything in it. It needs to become a big old oak tree someday, but for a while it's going to be this this little sapling thing. And uh, so so he says that now are we the sons of God? It does not yet appear what we shall be. So um, I don't know about you, but when I first got born again, I kind of felt like I had arrived. It's like you know, look at me. It's like the acme of creation. And and <laughs> no no my my kids were reading Calvin and Hobbes the other day and Calvin's standing there in his little whitey tighties in front of the mirror uh, flexing his muscles and he's like made in God's own image yes sir I was like that's that's kind of how I felt when I when I got born again you know and and we and we see everybody else with that same rose colored vision at first and. Uh, and then we find out that we're still people, and they're still people, and God's still working on us. And 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 then we then we need like the the line in the back seat. It's like don't touch don't touch your brother. Like, <laughs> so <laughs> I can tell the people who have had those conversations like Daddy's touching me. 
I'm really glad I grew up an only child because I, I think my dad might have eaten one of us if there was more than one of us. <laughs> you know, but... And there's some great lines that I have I have yet to use as a father that I really hope I don't, but that I know that my dad would have had there been more than one of us. Like, he's touching me, I'll touch you in a minute. You know. Because he did say stuff like that to me all the time. No. He started it started when you were born. But <laughs> apparently God knew I could handle three. So no, they're great. They're so much fun. Um, uh, where was I? Okay. So, so he says that, of course, the world knows us not because it knew him not. And so we, we come into this family and all of a sudden we don't fit everywhere else like we used to. And, and people see that we're different. I'm like, what happened to you? Yeah, I was in high school when that happened to me. And... It's all these people I grew up with, and it was like, what happened to you? And uh, so that was a that's an interesting thing, but that does happen to us. But still, he says that that you know now we're the children of God, but it doesn't appear we shall be. So there's something there's there's another there's a place to grow into. And uh, you know, it's like it's like when you get some clothes that are too big, and it's like, well, you'll grow into them. No, when you're a kid, hopefully that doesn't happen to you when you're an adult. But um, <laughs> it's like you get clothes and you're like, well, I'll grow, I'll shrink into these. So, but uh, um, there, the interesting thing about about this though is that we feel like we should we should already have have we should stay at that I have arrived place. You know, it, it's quite the disillusionment when we realize that now we're going to have we have to grow we have to uh, fight the giants in Canaan now, and you know and so uh, and I, I've I've seen over the last 20 years it seems like that little honeymoon period of ah I have arrived uh, seems to be shorter and shorter and shorter for people and. Uh, you know, but it's a blessing because God knows how to catch catch us all up and get us at the same same place that we all need to be at the same time. Um, and I'm just going to have to finish this passage because it's one of my favorites. No, it's not entirely about what I'm talking about here. It says, Every man that has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. Which is, well, actually that does have to do with what I'm talking about here because... Um, the the thing the the difference between I'm going to get into this more in the next uh, passage we go to uh, the the difference between being a child of God and being a son of God has to do with with character has to do with application of the word and 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 growth and maturity and all those types of things and so if we have this hope of becoming the thing that we don't see just yet. Um, then, uh, then you know what he's saying here is he that has that hope purifies himself even as he is pure. So we have this goal that we're looking towards, and so we have this this idea of okay, so 
if I'm going to attain to that goal, there's going to be some things I'm going to have to do. There's going to have to be some goals I'm going to have to set. There's some things that I'm going to have to set aside and all that type of stuff. So he says, whosoever commits sin transgresses the law. Also the law for the sin, or for sin is the transgression of the law. And you know he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. So it's funny how, you know, that, uh, how we've gotten the, that idea in the church of, uh, um, you know, we can, we can do whatever because there's grace. It's like our little safety net to do, to do whatever. And yet we're also all excited about having partaken of his nature and having him live inside of us. And so it's like, well, how if he lives inside of us and there's no sin in him, then there should be no sin in us, right? So that's the place that, that we're aiming towards. Whosoever abides in him sins not, and whosoever sins has not seen him, neither known him. And I know the church as a whole kind of uh, ignores this passage or kind of glosses over it because it's kind of maybe a little difficult to understand or um, or it's difficult to reconcile with. It's like, well, I know God loves me, and I, you know, I believe He lives inside of me. But I, like, just yesterday, you know, I I I kicked the mailman, you know, so I must not be, you know, it's like according to this, then I've not seen seen him nor known him. But of course, you have to understand that we have an outside man and we have an inside man. And, and that's what I, I love about this passage because, to me, this is one of the most cut and dried passages about uh, the difference between the two. So he says, little children, let no man deceive you. He that does righteous is righteous. He that does righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. And he that commits sin is of the devil. For the devil sins from the beginning. And for this purpose was the Son of God manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And I know there's, there are translations that talk about you know, he that practices you know, sin and all that kind of stuff. And there, I mean, there's some merit to that because, of course, um, there, there's this sense of um, I'm, I'm going to do this because I want to. And, uh, of course, it goes back to that inside man and outside man and, and which one... Uh, are you going to feed? Which one are you going to obey? And uh, um, but of course it says here that uh, the Son of God was manifested that He might destroy the works of the devil. So we have this, you know, this this hold then that's that's broken over us. And we don't have to uh, to do the things that that our flesh would like to do. Um, you know, of course, He says that you know. Uh, you know that if you're dead to sin, how are you? Uh, how are you held by it? Um, so he says here, uh, whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he's born of God. And in this, the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. And whosoever does righteousness is does not righteousness is not of God, nor neither he that loves his brother. And I like how he ties that all in. He ties that loving your brother thing in with that because in the church we get that whole he's touching me thing and uh you know and and um 
And I've been surprised at myself over the years at the things, like the little weird minor things that people do that bother me that I want to fuss about. And uh, and so it's it's uh, I like how he he you know this letter is so loving and so precious and excited about the love of God and how great He is and all that He's done to us. And and then he just nails you with this this little. Just this little offhand comment. Neither he less not his brother. You know, and of course he gets he he spends the rest of this chapter really digging into that and unpacking it. But here in verse uh, nine, of course, um, to me is that quintessential verse about the difference between your inside man and your outside man, because your seed that your inside man cannot sin. You could starve him to death, and you could kill him, kill him off by ignoring him and. Um, and and not feeding him, but he can't sin. And so that's an entirely different matter. So that sin then comes from letting the outside man do what, what it wants to do. I, I read this great story, and I, th- I think I may have mentioned this a while back. Um, I, I think it was Mark Rutland said that he was talking to this woman, and she was just talking about how she wanted to change in her life, and she was so miserable with this lifestyle that she lived, all the partying and all the stuff that she did. And he's like, well, have you thought about just not doing all that stuff? Have you thought about don't go to the parties? Have you thought about don't go to the bar? And she she looked at him dumbfounded and said, you mean I don't have to do what I want to do? <laughs> like, eh, yeah, that's right, you don't. And and uh, we've all had those experiences in life where we knew we made the right choice, even though it wasn't the necessarily the thing we wanted to do. Right. And you feel really good about it. It's like I I just made the right choice. It's like you know, and then you know you're brushing your hair in the mirror. It's like plus one reputation. You know, you're like, <laughs> yes, I knew you guys would get that. Okay, but um, so. Uh, but the great thing about making right choices is there's this sense of momentum that comes with it too. And it makes it easier to make the right choice the next time and to make the right choice the next time. Hey, guys. These are my helpers today. <laughs> All right. Uh, so uh, go with me over to Romans 8. It's been a while since I jumped around. I'm not used to that. I usually just kind of pick some place and camp there. This one is a really tough place to find a place to start. It is kind of like um, climbing up a steep sandy hill here. Hmm. Well, I suppose I'll just read down through here pretty quick. Go ahead and start in one. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which walk or which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Sorry. I think for Father's Day what I really would like is uh, like a week off and some Valium. Um, just kidding. Maybe just like some... Ex- 
no, that's just like the tenth time I've yawned in the last like ten minutes. So, just, I don't know. There's something about reading out loud that makes me want to yawn all the time. So, and when I'm already really tired, it doesn't help. Okay, so what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. And I like um, what the margin says here. It says that sending His own Son and likeness of sinful flesh and by a sacrifice for sin condemn sin in the flesh because of course that's that's exactly what the cross is that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh they that are after the spirit the things of the spirit we don't use the word mind like that anymore you know when I was growing up it's like you better mind you better mind me you know, and uh, when I was, I mean, that made perfect sense to me when I was a kid. I think if I said that to my kids, they'd be like, what? Like, I'm like, you shall obey. Or, or listen, or, you know, occasionally I have been known to just say, oh, geez, just stop. So, um, but the this, so he's talking here, of course, again, about this inside man and the outside man. It's like, which one are you going to mind? Which one are you going to obey? And and so it's something that we have a we have a choice about and um, and I, I know from my own experience it's really easy to get in this this spot of feeling like well I just I just can't you know and uh, it's like I just can't resist this temptation to do X Y and Z you know and I I'd love I have taken so much encouragement from the story that Ron tells about talking to the, the guy in the police car when he was a police officer about how he could not resist this temptation. And Ron said, I'm going to kiss you now. And reached across the car and tried to kiss this guy on the lips. And they had quite the Donnybrook going in the car. You know? And so after a while, finally, you know, finally Ron lets the guy go. I mean... You would fight for your life, you know. <laughs> and uh, uh, so, so Ron asked him, "So when were you going to stop fighting me?" He's like, "When you stop trying to kiss me." <laughs> it's like exactly. That's exactly it. That's that's what you have to do when when in the end it comes after you with the little carrot on the fishing pole and and your flesh really wants it. You have to keep fighting it until you have to wear him out instead of letting him wear you out. So you have to outlast him. I love that story because everybody can identify with that. You know, it's like, oh, I don't know. I, I don't like to touch people or have them touch me. So the idea of like some guy reaching, like wrestling me in the car, trying to kiss me on the lips is terrifying. I, I think I'm going to use that for motivation at the gym now. <laughs> Should that happen to me, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be the weaker guy here. So, but of course, you know, we we can gain that strength uh, by spending time with God and to to outlast that temptation in our flesh. Because if you feed your spirit, it gets stronger and stronger. You ignore your flesh, it gets whinier and whinier, and eventually will give up and get sullen. 
that's okay. So, um, for they that are after the flesh, you mind the things of the flesh. They that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I like how he lays that out in such black and white. It's like, it's like gee, I don't know which one I should choose. I because the carnal mind is enmity against God and is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So you can toss out that idea of, oh, well, I, I, I can get my flesh in line to cooperate with the things that God wants to do. And, you know, if, um, yesterday... Uh, Daniel was preaching at the young kids about uh, about Saul and the stuff that he did, King Saul. And, uh, you know, he reads down through these little passages. He's like, okay, so where did Saul go wrong here? It's like, well, he totally didn't do what God told him to do. You know, and when he when he goes to fight the, uh, Amalek, he said destroy everything. And he keeps some of the stuff, keeps the best stuff to sacrifice it to God. It's like, you know, and our flesh does stuff like that. We we try and sanitize these. It's like, well, I didn't quite, you know. And and when Samuel shows up, Saul's like, hey, it's like, blessed be God, I did the thing that he told me to do. And Samuel's not so much. Actually, you you didn't do what God said to do, and and he's he's done with you being king. Um, so, well, where was I? Uh, the carnal mind is enmity against God. It's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be the Spirit of God dwell in you. And if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. And if Christ be in you, then the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. You know, the great thing about a dead body is it doesn't need anything. Can't ask you for anything. It's just there, and hopefully not going to be there for very long. And um, which is a is a precious thing because then the demands, and that's what he talks about in Romans six, like the demands that your mind and your flesh will make on you. I need this. I want this. All that kind of stuff really doesn't really have any hold on you. You don't owe it anything. So he says, um, if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. The spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by a spirit that dwells in you. Now therefore, brethren, we're, we're debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. Like I said, we don't, uh, we don't owe the flesh anything. It's nothing like feeling like you owe something to somebody. Although it's great to have somebody owe you something. So, if you live after the flesh... Sorry. So, so if you guys just knew the stuff that was going on in my brain. okay. So, if you live after the flesh, you shall die. And if you, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, then you shall live. And that's a key... A key thing here about what because he's getting ready to talk about sonship again. We're, we're getting ready to get back to that, but this is a really key thing here because he says through the Spirit you mortify the deeds of the flesh. So you have this power then 
that comes from God to um, to put to death the deeds of the body, to 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 tell it no, I don't think so. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now this is a completely different word than than all the other places where we've read about sons so far. Where else we read was this word technon, and it means children. This is uh, hoyos, and it means son, specifically. And it can be used as children, but it's a lot less common. And when the when the Bible talks about, um, you know, the sons of, of this or the sons of that, like maybe some kind of noun, like the, the sons of the bride chamber, or the, the sons of this place, or, or whatever, that's the word it uses. Because it's talking about, it's connecting them to, it's like what they are a son of, what they, what they, what they, where their nature has come from, or, or what they're they're identified as. Um, and this is always the word that it uses about Jesus. I don't, I don't, I, I don't believe it ever refers to him as the technon of God, but but, the, but always the huios, the son of God. And so, uh, and so he takes. He has this qualifier here because we, we read that and it's like, yeah, that's I, I want that. And, and he says here that they that are led by the Spirit of God. So, so are, is my decision making based on the Word of God? Is it based on the still small voice, or is it based on uh, emotions? Is it based on um, uh, you know the things that I see around me and keeping up with the Joneses. Am I thinking about what are other people going to think if I if I do this and that? So uh, that's uh, that's a big difference for whether or not we're a child of God or a son of God. And it's a blessing because either way you're in the house. But but you want to be you want to be a son of God. So it says, for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And this word adoption is virtually the same word as sons. It's really, really close. And, um, and so it has to do with this, this making someone a part of the family, which of course is what adoption is. Um, and, and, uh, as I studied it out, it seemed to me that this has has with it that sense of imparting the character and imparting the nature with it, because that's what God does. You know, He doesn't just make us part of the family. We don't have a hyphenated name when we become part of of the family of God. He puts He puts His name on us, and and He puts His nature inside of us. He says the Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And see, and that's that word that was translated sons that we read earlier, that we're the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be, we suffer with them that we may be glorified together. So, so if we're children, then we're still heirs, joint heirs with Christ. We're, we're part of that, that family of which he's the firstborn. But there's a, this better place to be. There's this, or there's this higher place to to attain to this being led by the Spirit of God to become a son of God, and um, and so, like I said, that comes down to character. That comes down to those things that that God has has put in us, 
but we have to apply the Word of God, and, and we have to obey the Word of God, and we have to surrender to the will of God. And um, that's a lot easier said than done sometimes, because our flesh wants this, our mind wants that, and, and, and all that. Um, and so sitting down and reading through Romans is a really great idea because that's exactly what he deals with. Like your your flesh is just dead. Like imagine being handcuffed to a dead body and have to carry it around with you everywhere you go. That would get really old after about five minutes. And um, so so the sense of, of, of who who we feed and who we uh, who we prefer and who we obey in our life then uh, really does make the the difference between this you know, being a, ch- a child versus being a son because we of course want to grow into that place of sonship uh, with God and um, and that's his goal for us that's it's not like not like if you're one of the few the proud you know the Marines that you can get there this is like this is what I this is what I found you for. This is why I adopted you is because I want you to come to this place. Uh, and so, in order to get there, I just need you to work with me and I need you to to uh, obey my voice. And and he, I mean, you can go all the way back to to the the Old Testament, back into the the first five books, and you know you read all these laws that 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 Moses laid out for him and all this stuff but throughout it over and over again God just says obey my voice. Yeah. And then he's like so here's my voice in black and white obey it. And so it's uh you know God is a genius how he just he sets us up for success in every way he can set us up for success. Jesus we thank you for your word to us and Lord we want to grow in you, God, we want to uh, obey you. God, help us, Lord, to to make up our minds and to take hold of that power that you have put in us. God, to uh, say no to the flesh and to obey uh, your word. God, I pray that you would just continue these things in our life. God, you're doing these things in us. God, and we want to continue to work with you and have you do in us what only you could do. And God, today I just pray that you would touch this gathering with your presence. God, that you would meet with us in this place and minister as only you can. God, that uh, you know every need that will be in this place this morning. God, and you are that great meter of the needs, and we pray that you would do those very things for us this morning. God, as only you can do. God, and that we would come, Lord, with our sense of expectation raised. God, and our our determination to bring you an offering of praise. God, to, to do those things. God, to, because you are worthy of praise. God, regardless of, of how we feel, regardless of our circumstances, God, you are worthy of praise. And we just glorify you this morning. And we just pray that, that uh, we would have that fellowship divine in this place today. God, we pray it in your name. Amen and amen.